Hello, this is Nick Holland with Information Security Media Group and joined today by Tony Craddock, who's the Director General of the Emerging Payments Association out of the UK. Tony, thanks for joining me. Great to be here. Good. So, Tony, wanted to pick your brains about a few things that are happening. What are some of the initiatives? What are the types of fraud that you're seeing pertaining to criminals exploiting the pandemic? Very good. So uh, our industry is uh, here to promote uh, the adoption of the latest and best uh, payments tools, innovations that help people move money in the most efficient way. We're all really here to help to make payments work. And a few years ago, we sat down together and we said, well, there's no point trying to adopt the new, newest digital electronic uh, super duper technology if while we're doing this, there's a hole in the bucket for the back end. And all people are worse, people are going into the back door and stealing the cash. Um, so we set up something called the Project Financial Crime. It's a stakeholder working group and it, it allows um, our members to participate in something that really gets to the root causes of what is, what is currently a very major problem, particularly around money laundering, but to a lesser but significant effect around fraud. Um, and, and this project uh, has been running for, for a few years and, and we, we essentially have a, a, number, of, a number of strands that, that, are, um, that it is here to, uh, to, to deliver. Um, and, and I think it's because uh, the, uh, the, the challenge with our industry, which is at one level wonderfully and mysteriously intricate and complex, at another is absurdly uh, and mysteriously intricate and complex. <laughs> so it's, it's, got, it's got us to the point at which we've realized that we need to do something about the fact that um, uh, fraud and money laundering is uh, not only there, but it is also a very, very profitable pastime. So if you're a, a fraudster, you can afford to deploy some of the best technologies and the best brains and the best analytics to help you to steal money from other people. Often the people who are stolen from are those who are least able to protect themselves, which makes this an even more invidious crime. Mm. Um, so uh, that's the backdrop for this. You know. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, are there any particular fraud schemes that have sort of bubbled to the surface that you've come across in the last six months? Well, we're just about to report to the FCA on what we're seeing. And so I'm a few days away from being able to share that with you, I'm afraid. Um, but the, the, obviously the main one is, is benefits related fraud. Yeah. Uh, it's um, uh, f furloughs that aren't really furloughs. It's, um, it's people who have been um, incentivized by their organization to, uh, to ensure that when uh, they're receiving uh, their furlough payments, um, it's done in a way that is tax advantageous for the, the, for the employee. There's a range of different intricate and inevitable uh, schemes that have been put, off, put together, often by people who are simply um, being expedient. They're, they're doing what they think is necessary to help their organization to thrive. In this case, I, to survive rather. In this case, I, I actually sympathize with these, uh, these organizations. Um, uh, we are in the depths of, a, of the first modern pandemic of its kind. Uh, based on the uh, anticipated second wave or the current second wave, uh, we, are, we are in des desperate times. So as a result, people are being desperate. Uh, yeah. So there's many benefits related and employment related frauds um, that are in place. In place. Uh, those are the two ones that I think are our newest uh, and, and most, most current. Okay. So from an from, um, emerging payment standpoint, what is being done to counter that? Are there any particular initiatives? So, so really good question. Uh, the difficulty with this one is that um, 
let me let me compare this to uh, cycling. So uh, I saw the cycling on your bio. I was wondering when, okay. that, <laughs> when that would come out. No. Um, so so the, a few years ago, cycling was was a sport that was in the shadows of of uh, of the world of sport. It was seen as a rather eccentric French thing. Um, and um, many years ago, 15 years ago, um, uh, a very uh, charismatic American by the name of Lance Armstrong came onto the scene. Um, and he did, a, he did two things. He first of all brought a level of um, professionalism and money to the sport, but he also brought a degree of uh, crime to the sport because basically he, he not only uh, broke the rules, but he manipulated other people and uh, and, and bribed and blackmailed other people uh, to, to, uh, around this uh, this contravention of the rules. So, and that went on for seven years. And it's only since then that actually the the industry has started to, or the the sport has started to, to clean itself up. So, the reason for using that as an analogy is um, we find ourselves in a place where um, um, our industry is uh, has a whole range of rules and regulations in place that are necessary to prevent the, the endemic adoption of financial crime mm -hmm. um, or deployment of financial crime. And unless we do something that is very specific to not only um, uh, impact individual parts of it, but the collective, then we won't make a difference. So from the outside of that sport, lots of people were commenting on, on, on this situation and thinking it must be ridiculous. But it, until there was a collaborative uh, get together of the of the main players in sport were they only when that happened were they able to to actually uh, accuse Lance Armstrong and withdraw his uh, withdraw his award awards now we are in exactly the same place in our industry collaboration is necessary across a whole range of factors and let me give you one example digital identity yes so just imagine if at the beginning of this pandemic we'd all had a simple digital identity tool that sat firmly on our phones Think how easy track and trace would be. Think mm -hmm. how easy the reporting of and the coordination of the tracing and tracking of COVID-19 would be. It would be so much easier. And in fact, in Singapore, they've announced the um, distribution of a voluntary device. It's a small little token about the size of a matchbox, if you can imagine the days when we had matchboxes. Um, and um, it, it tracks and traces who is in proximity with other people and when one person gets ill, you can see who else they've spent a bit of time with. Mm -hmm. Just imagine if we had developed that digital identity capability in the UK, how much easier tackling COVID-19 will be. But we don't. And mm -hmm. we don't because in 2006, the Identity Card Act, initiated by, um, by Tony Blair, was put in place. And it took four years and £350 million for us to discover that the, that the consumer in this country didn't want a digital identity or didn't want an identity card for privacy reasons. Mm. Now, that was a long time ago. The world has moved on enormously. It's about time we grasped digital identity as a real solution, not just to our payments-related problems, but our crime-related problems and our identity and our health-related problems. It's a superb, superb solution. So for that reason, we are pulling together with a range of different institutions an initiative that will help to bring digital identity into being in this country so that we benefit from it in the way in which they do in the Nordics from a superb digital identity system. It's, uh, it's, it's a long, long overdue, I would say. Absolutely, long overdue. And um, the challenge actually with many of these things is uh, there's vested interest in the status quo. 
Mm-hmm. And that's what stops it. it I mean, is, is that, do you see that that inertia is going to be that problematic at this juncture? I mean, I think, again, as you said, you know, the, the world is a very different place than it was 12 years ago. Certainly the proliferation of the technology <clears throat> that allows us to do this is ubiquitous pretty much in terms of, yeah. you know, we all carry smartphones. They have secure elements on them for the sort of secure storage of credentials. Yeah, um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, clearly payments is one component of that, but I, 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 I agree. I think it's, it's probably just that inertia and um, a certain Luddite attitude to, to anything new that is probably going to be the, the handicaps that we have to face here. Yeah, and, and, and it may be that the, the, the trigger here, in the way in which the trigger for the adoption of contactless payments cards was uh, the adoption of the Oyster card and London yes. Underground, um, so COVID-19 will, I hope, I expect actually, be the trigger for the adoption of a, of a, of a ubiquitous, commonly accepted, uh, multi-level uh, digital identities program. And by multi-level, I, I mean uh, something that doesn't just allow you, for example, to um, uh, use an, ident- an, an, an identifier on your phone to ensure that, you know, first of all, you identify as being the person that you say you are, you are authenticating that you are that person. Right. And that actually you have the things that you say you have. In other words, you have the money in the account um, and you have the track record and the, and, the, and the credit rating that goes with that identity. Not only those things, but that it allow me as a consumer to, for example, if I see something on my bank statement, I don't just click on the bank statement to see when I made that payment. I click on it and I can see where I made it and what I bought for, with that mm-hmm. payment. And so it gives me as a consumer a whole wealth of intelligence and insights that actually is enabled now by open banking. And open banking standards didn't exist 15 years ago. Right. So all of these things are coming together and I'm really, really hopeful that now is the time for digital identity. Well, let's hope so. I mean, certainly... This side of the pond, as you might be aware, there's an election coming up. Clearly, I think sort of a, a decent handle on digital identity would be pretty solid in alleviating the whole postal ballot and uh, everything oh, pertains to that. Completely agree. And uh, the, the swinging, was it the hanging shard episode of two elections the, ago? The hanging shard, which was the a, little, hang, shad, not a, a piece of cardboard that would hang off the back of a piece of, you know, it's... It, that, that, that was the state of you know, the state of the arts technology in 2000. Now, two, now 20 years ago, uh, you, you know, the, the world has moved on a lot since then. You would say, wouldn't you, that uh, actually something that is a, uh, a, a postal ballot that doesn't require the post would be quite cool, wouldn't it? It, it would, really. I mean, it's again, you, I would like to believe as well uh, when we're doing this that COVID-19 is as the meme would say, so a digital transformation catalyst and is moving things along. But attitudinally, I think there's a lot that needs to go with that. It's um, from, from my side of the pond, where I am just north of Boston, I'm seeing a massive spike in contactless payment adoption. You know, for, for 20 years, I was talking about, oh, this year is going to be the year of NFC and Apple Pay. Yes. And it never was, right? It just never yes. happened. And now it's, it's finally, you know, money is finally dirty, right? You don't Very good. Now, now I, I posted about that this morning. Um, I posted in light of the fact that 750 million uh, Chinese people use Alipay every day, that it's transacted $15 trillion worth of, 
of money uh, since it was in, uh, brought into place four or five years ago. Um, and I said, even, even the mighty greenback is, is, is going to be threatened by this sort of technology uh, because um, in time people will realize that not only is uh, the use of notes it has all the associations around criminal activity, mm. uh, but it also is not healthy, according to some people. And so um, there is, um, there is a, a sense that in time, even though this technology originated in China, the Americans will be looking at their dollar notes as being something that is uh, no longer the best way of transacting. Now, I don't know whether you agree that that's going to ever happen in our lifetime, but it, I believe it is. Well, it, it's interesting. Again, again, it's... I almost avoided cash entirely for the last six months and uh, I was paying for, I bought a hot dog <laughs> the other day and, and the, the place insisted that you have to pay cash. They had like a little ATM outside. So, you know, you pay cash and it felt like I was picking up a face mask off the pavement. And, and yes. Yeah. Was, uh, it's it, something's shifted mentally. And I wonder how yes. many other people that has shifted for as well. I'm I'm with you, and I think what's interesting is our behaviour. When because we pay for things habitually every day, it it takes what does it say? It takes thirty days to change a habit forever. Mm. I I only pay with this now. I only pay with my phone now. Yeah, I'm I'm right with you. It's um, that muscle memory is is starting to occur now. I, yeah. I I instinctively, almost instinctively, reach for my phone rather than my wallet. So, so in terms of in terms of uh, going to the root causes of financial crime, uh, cash is the most brilliant device for fraudsters and money launderers. Mm. It's a bit bulky, and you know it's 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 a bit inconvenient, and you've got to count it and stuff. Um, but anybody who's seen Ozark, <laughs> have you have you watched yeah. Ozark? Well, I was thinking of the scene in Breaking Bad where he's rented a warehouse and he shows his wife what he's been doing. And it, it's yes. this enormous stack of, of money. Yes. It's millions and millions of, and he can't do anything with it. No, I've only got to, to episode five, so I might not have found the pile of cash episode yet, but it's coming. It's coming. I, I, I enjoy both of those programs. Tony, thank you very much for your time today. That was Tony Craddock, who is the Director General of the Emerging Payments Association in the UK. And for Information Security Media Group, I'm Nick Holland.